Well, hey, welcome to Hope City Church today. Excited that uh, we get to be together. My name is Jason. I'm the pastor. And uh, I know every week I say, you know, I'm excited to be together. But I really do mean it. Um, just love the time that we get to spend together. Um, you know, I know some people say, uh, you know, you don't have to go to church to, to be saved. And, of course, that's true. Like, you don't have to go to church to be saved. Jesus saves us. But, man, why would you not want to? Why would you not want to be a part of a of an amazing church, a life-giving church. And um, so anytime we get to be together, it's just a, it's a good time. I was, I was kind of feeling a little, uh, a little mushy, a little emotional this morning. I, I stopped by our Shepherdsville location uh, this morning driving in. A big hello to Shepherdsville. And um, just seeing the team setting up, getting everything ready for an amazing day, for people to meet Jesus down there. And uh, it was great. And then the parking lot team standing out in the cold being set up. Uh, here at South Louisville, and uh, just seeing them do what they do, checking the kids in, and seeing the teachers, and uh, you know, just seeing what they do, and and uh, the, the coffee being ready, and just everybody doing their part to be a part of this church, so that people can find hope. It's just an amazing thing, and so thank you for everybody who serves. Um, this past Wednesday night, we had our last week of growth group for my growth group that meets this semester, and just an amazing semester together. And then Saturday we had. Uh, we had a group of people who, who passed out over 100 bags of supplies to homeless people. And so just always something happening, always somebody serving, somebody working, somebody using their gifts, their energy uh, to, to help people, to share hope. And so thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for being a part of this church. It really is um, just an unbelievable honor and a ton of fun to be able to be, be your pastor. So excited we're together today. So every week when I say I'm excited we're together today, that's what I mean. And, uh, and it's going to be a good time. We are finishing up this series uh, that we've been in called Dollars and Cents. It's a series about God and it's a series about money, our relationship with God and our relationship with money. And we all have a relationship with money, whether we know it or not, whether we know how to talk about it or not. We have a relationship with money. So that's what we've been talking about. Uh, but also as a part of this series, we, we want to make sure that you know that we're launching our Financial Peace University, our FPU. That's launching on January the 8th, right at the start of the new year. I think it's the perfect time. Um, if you have been thinking about wanting to get your finances in order, if you're needing help getting out of debt, if you're needing help figuring out insurance stuff and wills and and, and all that stuff, it's not just for people who are in a bad, bad spot, even though that's incredibly helpful. It's for anybody trying to, to try to just get organized, get on top of your financial life, financial situation. We've had over 50 families graduate from FPU. We do this as often as we can. And that those 50-plus couples have had a $500,000 turnaround between paying off debt and saving. Just an amazing thing. And so if you want to be a part of that, use the church app. Download that church app on whatever device you have. And on the front page there, you'll see a link. You can find information and get registered for that. We really hope you'll consider doing that because we believe in it. We think uh, we really believe in, in what FPU is, and so uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that, all right? Now, for the last week of this series, I want to talk about choice. Everybody say choice. choice. I want to talk about choice. In the first week, we talked about attitude. We talked about attitude and how that uh, for people who believe in Jesus, we should feel differently about money, about possessions, that because we believe in the resurrection, because we believe in eternity, because this is not our home, we should feel differently about money and possessions. And then last week, we talked about, about blessings, that if we will bring what we have to God, if we'll bring what we have to God, that he will bless it. And, and that blessed, we said blessed, 
is better than my best. That blessed is better than my best. And so last week was all about inviting God into uh, our financial life, our our life in general, uh, all of our life. But maybe those things that we didn't know we could bring to him or ask him to help with or be a part of. And I got a great text message this week. I'm going to read it to you. But uh, somebody came up to me after, after service last week and was just sharing kind of their struggle with uh, specifically just student loans, that they were in a real financial hole because of student loans. And they, what they said was they said, I, di- I didn't really know that I could ask God to help me with that. And I feel bad asking God to help me because I've made the mess. Like I feel like it's my mess. And I don't, I di- I di- am I allowed to ask God to like bless my student loans? Like, you know. And I, I said to him, I said, look, you're a parent. I'm a parent. When your kid makes a mess, like you don't, you know, lock them away. You, you help them, you know. And God's your heavenly father, so let's just ask God to bless and help. Like we're giving the student loans to him, you know, and we're asking him to bless them. And so this person sent me a text uh, this week that I just thought was great. I wanted to read it to you. It said, uh, I wanted to let you know what happened this week. I was contacted by my mortgage company that I qualified for a lower and fixed rate, and I shaved a couple hundred dollars off my mortgage, and I called the student loan company, and they're going to work with me, and with all the changes and with all the help, I should be able to make my student loan payment every month now. And I just thought, like, isn't that amazing that just two or three days after we ask God to help, it, it, it seems as if he helped. And now, look, it's not magic. I'm not promising that whatever situation you're facing, it'll be turned around in three days. There's still steps and decisions and a long road ahead. But what we were trying to talk about about blessing is just that I don't want to just try to use my best effort. I want to try my best, and then I want God to bless my best, and and it always is going to go better. So that was attitude and then blessing. And then this week, we're talking about choice. And so in essence, really what we're doing is I'm giving the ABCs, the ABCs of generosity. The ABCs uh, of generosity. And so this applies to, to everybody on the planet. But like with everything else, for people who believe in Jesus, for people whose faith is in Jesus, it's different. And we should be the most generous people in the world because our model, our prototype, we're the prototype of, our role model is Jesus who is the most generous person to ever live. So generous that he gave his life. For you and me. And so we say we believe that, our faith is in that. That should compel us to be the most generous people in, in the world. And so I want us to talk about that, about generosity, and about what it looks like for someone whose faith is in Jesus to be, to be generous, to make the choice to be generous. And to do that, we're going to look at a few verses uh, in the Bible from the New Testament in a book called uh, Corinthians. Uh, we're actually going to be in 2 Corinthians together. There's two Corinthian books. And if you have a sermon guide, you can grab that. There's some page numbers on there. There's a Bible either underneath the seat in front of you or in your seat. Uh, grab that and go ahead and find it. And what I love about these verses that we're going to read together is they were written to people sitting in a church. The Apostle Paul wrote words, wrote letters, wrote instructions to people who were sitting in a church. And and so the words that we're going to read are what the Apostle Paul wanted these church people to know about giving and about generosity. Now, if I tell you, 
If, if I tell you, just to give you a heads up, that we're going to read words written by an apostle to church people about giving, you probably would make some assumptions about what the words are. That, that if you know that these are going to be instructions for church people about giving and generosity, maybe because of your upbringing or some bad experiences or some relative you have who's a part of something or whatever else, maybe you uh, make some assumptions about what the Apostle Paul would say to Christians and to church people about giving. But I, I think you're probably going to be a little bit surprised, maybe a little caught off guard about what he has to say. And so um, I want us to read this together, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to start with verse 6. Verse 6, let's read a few verses together, and this is what it says. It says, remember this, so this is important, don't forget this, okay? Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, we're going to read more than this verse, but I want to just stop for a second because this is a great start. The Apostle Paul wants us to know, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know anything about gardening, agriculture, planting, nothing. I don't, I don't know anything about that, all right? I don't even shop in the produce section at the grocery store, okay? So I don't know anything about that part of it, but I think all of us would admit that, that this sounds right. <laughs> I mean, even if we don't know about planting, this sounds about right. We would all agree with what the Apostle Paul is saying. And what he's saying is, when it comes to planting, when it comes to gardening, farming, agriculture, what you put in the ground kind of determines what you get out of the ground, right? That, that what you get out of something is determined by what you put into something. And we would all agree this is true. Nobody's going to disagree with me on this one. That Yeah, this is true. You put a few seeds in the ground, you're going to get a few plants. You put a lot of seeds in the ground, you're going to get a lot of plants, now, Paul is not talking about farming. He's using farming, he's using planting as an analogy, as a metaphor to point to because all the people who are reading this, they all knew about farming and planting. So this is right up their alley, right? So he's using this as an example to teach us an important truth about generosity. And here's the important truth he teaches, that the amount you put in determines what you get out of it, to which we all say, well, yeah. But... Notice what he said. He said, remember this, because we forget this. We forget that the amount you put in determines what you get out. And anything that you have invested heavily in your life, into in your life, anything you've invested into heavily in your life, you get more joy or satisfaction out of it. That's just the truth. No one's going to disagree with me on that. It's a principle of life that Anything you've invested heavily in, you get a lot out of. Like maybe for some of us, we have a, a, a home on the lake or a vacation or a cabin or something. And maybe our parents bought it or their parents bought it or maybe we bought it or built it or we worked to get it going again. And there's something about going there. Uh, and, and when you're there, it's not just about the scenery that you have invested in it. You're getting something out of it because a lot was put into it. Or maybe when you're sitting out on that boat, out in the water or something. Like, it's not just about the water. It's about what has been invested to give you the opportunity to do that, right? Or maybe for you, it's like a, it's like a backyard project. Uh, this last summer, I built a pergola in the backyard, which might as well have been the Taj Mahal for me. I mean, because I don't know how to build anything. And so I thought four pieces of two by four, I could probably figure this out. And, 
And uh, so it took me way longer than it should, and I had asked for a lot of help, but it finished. And so now when I sit in my pergola, I just feel like the man. I, I built this, and, uh, you know, and, and there's, it's not just about where I'm sitting. It's about how I'm able to sit there and what I'm able to sit under. We could keep giving examples. Season tickets. You invest heavily into season tickets. It's not just about the game. It's about the community of people you belong to, the, the people you know you're sitting beside at the game because you invested heavily in that. Or when your kid walks across the stage for graduation. It's not just that they're graduating. It's that you invested heavily in getting them across the stage. So it's not that piece of paper. It is the accomplishment and knowing that you invested heavily in that. And so the reason we get so much out of all of these things I'm talking about is because we put so much into it. And Paul is saying the same thing is true about generosity, that the more you give to something, the more you get out of it, to which we all agree, yeah, that's true. So Paul says, okay, well, don't forget that. Remember that. Now he's going to keep on going. Let's keep reading. Next verse. He says, uh, now that you agree, and we're all on the same page, what you put in determines what you get out, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Now, now again, let's just stop real quick. We're going to read some more, but I want to go as slow as we can. Let's go verse by verse a little bit here so nobody gets left behind. Paul says, remember this, what you put in determines what you get out. And so now that you know that, here, here's the next thing you got to do. You got to make a choice. You got to make a decision. When it comes to generosity and the life of people whose faith is in Jesus, you have to make a decision because you will never accidentally be generous. You will never sneak your way into generosity or have enough left over that you decide you want to be a generous person. And so the Apostle Paul says, all of you reading this letter and everyone who will read this letter for thousands of years to come, you must decide. And the good news is, you get to decide. You get to decide. You get to decide how generous you want to be. But there's a catch. And you're like, I knew there was a catch. There's always a catch. Paul says, yeah, there is a catch. And he's going to tell us what the catch is. Matter of fact, let's just start at verse 6 because we've kind of stopped a bunch. We'll start at the beginning. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds We'll get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Now he's going to give you the catch. You ready? And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Here's the catch. Don't do anything you don't want to do. There's the catch. Paul says, remember what you put in determines what you get out. You've got to make a decision. But as you're making a decision, here's the catch. Don't do it if you don't want to do it. Now, I told you when I was going to read some words to you written by the Apostle Paul to church people, to Christians about generosity and about giving, you may make some assumptions about what the words say. And the assumptions that most people make is that you have to or that God's going to be mad if you don't. Or your spouse is going to be mad at you if you don't. But, but everybody hear me because if you don't want to, you're going to love what I'm about to say. If you don't want to give, don't give. 
If you don't want to be generous, don't be generous. On the way home, some of the husbands in the room, just, just look at your spouse and just say, you heard Pastor Jason. I ain't doing it anymore because you didn't want to do it. You've never wanted to do it, and she's been twisting your arm to make you do it. Just tell her, we're not doing it anymore. Why? Because the Apostle Paul says, listen, if you know, like if you, if you agree that what you put in determines what you want to get out, and after remembering that and knowing that, you make the decision that you don't want to get anything out of it, don't do it. What I definitely don't want you to do is give reluctantly, begrudgingly, guilty. don't want you to do that. Several years ago, uh, I did some teaching on giving. And I had a guy in the church who walked up to me, and he, he, he kind of saw me from, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 feet away. He's like, sometimes you know when people are coming right at you, you know, and you know that it's going to not be positive, right? And, uh, and so, yeah, I couldn't turn around. Like, we made eye contact, you know what I mean? So um, he comes up to me, and he hands me a check, pretty large check, like, like 2500 bucks or something like that, 2000 I can't remember exactly what it was, but something like that. And... Uh, and that's how he did it. He said, here. I was like, okay, and grabbed the check. And he's like, my wife said that you said we should be uh, tithing. So here, there it is. And I looked at it, and I was like, wow, okay. I just gave it back to him. I was like, no, man, you keep that. We don't need that. And he's like, what? I thought we were supposed to give it. I said, not like that. I said, God does not want that. God wants you to want to give it. So you just keep it until you want to give it. And when you want to give it, man, bring it on back. But don't give it like that because that's not what God wants. And I don't know if a preacher had never told him that or if his wife had forgot to mention that. I don't know if we hadn't read 2 Corinthians before, but this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Is that you get to decide. This is your choice. It's not my choice. It's your choice. You get to decide. And what God wants is for you to know and remember that what you put in determines what you get out. And based on knowing that, make a decision about what you want to get out of your life, what you want to get out of your church, what you want to get out of your relationships, what you want to get out of, like what you want to get out of it. And then be excited about it because you know what you'll get out of it based on what you put into it. I love my wife. I love her heart. Uh, around Christmas time, she is the most excited gift giver of anybody that I know. Matter of fact, if my wife ever gets you a present, let me tell you how it's going to happen, okay? She's going to give it to you, and before you can open it, she's going to start opening it for you. And she'll sit beside you, and she'll open it, and she'll pull out the items in the box faster than you can pull them out, and she'll explain why she purchased every item in that box for you, because she's more excited to give it to you than she is for you to get it. And that's what God means. That's what the Apostle Paul means when he says that God loves a cheerful giver. That in some way, we're more excited to give it than we are for God to get it. Paul is teaching us and reminding us of something that we know, but maybe we've never been able to articulate about generosity and, and about giving. And here, here's what he's teaching us, is that you can give 
and not be generous. But you can't be generous and not give. You, you can give. There's all kinds of people who give, but they're not generous. But you cannot be generous and not give. Because, see, generosity is not about an amount of money. It is about your heart. It's a decision to be a type of person, a generous person. God wants you to live a generous life. Why? Because if you have all of these areas in your life where you are generously putting seeds in the ground, guess what you're going to experience in your life? A generous harvest. And we all said we agree with that. Do you know why selfish people are so grumpy and, and miserable? Because even though they are succeeding in all of these areas of life, they don't get to experience the joy of the outcome of generosity. It's a, it's a generous harvest, the Bible says. So I want to keep reading. Just skip down to verse 10. Okay, skip down to verse 10. We're, all, we're almost done. Read, read this verse together. This is what it says, verse 10. It says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And we talked about this a little bit last week, that the more we give, the more God gives us to give. That God can, has no problem getting money to us. It's can he get money through us. A lot of money will pass through our hands if it doesn't stick to our fingers. We talked about this, right? That we're blessed to be a blessing. And that's what this verse is saying. Is that God provides to us the means to give, And when we decide to use what he's given us to give, what we just read is that we experience increase in our resources, which we love to hear. In other words, that's Bible talk for like you get more of it, which we're like, yeah, come on, Jesus, we'll take that. But it doesn't stop there. It also produces, produces a great harvest of generosity in you. So, so according to what we just read, generosity enriches us in every way, it enriches us, the biggest way we see it is, is in two ways, that generosity changes what's in our hands, that the more generous we are, the more that w- what we have changes, but it also changes what's in our heart. That the more generous we are, we, it changes what we have in our hands, but it changes how we feel in our heart. Generosity changes everything about you. And and yes, of course, of course, you're going to experience blessing in the resources of your life. But blessing is so much more than money. Don't shortchange God by making giving about receiving money. Because God wants to enrich, which means to make more rich in every area of your life. Every area of your life. Now, as your pastor, I want you to be richer in every way. I just do. And, and, and that's why I want you to be generous. And, of course, we have big dreams in our heart and vision for what we want to do. And we're sitting on go, and, and I got more vision than we got resources. And so when the resources come, on, come in, we, we hit the gas. 
And every time somebody gives, it helps us to do that. And so many of you are giving through the One More Matters campaign and all that stuff. And that's unbelievable. I'm, I'm blown away by your heart for generosity. But hear me, that's not why I want you to give and that's not why I want you to be generous. God builds his church. God provides. We talk about giving and I want you to give. Because giving changes you. Giving changes you. I've never met a truly generous person who did not seem to be rich in so many ways. And God wants that for you and for me. And so for the time that we have left, here's what I want to do. Because the Apostle Paul said, you, you must decide. You have to make a decision. You need to make a choice. You're never going to accidentally be generous. And you get to decide whatever you want to decide. Just whatever you do, don't do it in a bad mood, all right? But as we're trying to make this decision, because Paul says you must decide, what I want to do for our time that we have left is I want to I show you and teach you the three ways that the Bible teaches us to be generous with our money. Because the Bible specifically teaches us three ways that we should be generous with our money. Those of us whose faith is in Jesus, those of us who follow Christ, should be generous with our money in three ways. The first way, if you want to write this in on your sermon guide, the first way is we'll just call helping. The Bible tells us to help people. Some people call this benevolence. And the Bible teaches that one of the ways we should be generous with our money is by helping people who need help. This can look a lot of different ways. You can buy somebody groceries. You can put gas in somebody's tank. You can, you know, give money to a charity. Uh, you, you can do a lot of different ways, but you use the resources you have to help people. And anytime you do that, you are obeying the instruction of the Bible. So maybe even right now, you know, we're entering into a season of the year where we're, we're kind of thinking more along the lines of helping people. Maybe even right now as I'm talking, you could be thinking about a way or ways that you could help some people that you know in your life that need help, that, that need help. Think about that right now. Who in my life do I know that needs some of the resources that God has blessed me with? That's the first way the Bible teaches us. Here's the second way that the Bible teaches us to be generous with our money is through giving. Giving. You can write that in. Another word for giving would be probably offering. Offering. The Bible teaches that when we are part of a church family, we should give offerings to the church out of a generous heart. And it can be $1 or it can be a million dollars. An offering is just anything that you give to the church one time or lots of different times. So this is just, this is when you, you text in something or you put it in the bucket and it's a, you know, it's a $20 bill or a $200, whatever it is. Like it's just, I want to give to the church and I have resources and so I'm going to give to the church. This is an offering and the Bible talks a lot about this idea of offering. And so many of you give in this way. So many of you do, and, and, I, and I thank you for that. But, but offering is, is, is any time we use resources to give to the church, whether it's our church or someone else's church, it's just offerings to the church. That's the second way that the Bible teaches us to, to be generous with our money. But here's the third way. Write this in. The third way is tithing. These are the three ways the Bible teaches believers, people who follow Jesus, to be generous with money. Number one's helping, number two's giving, but number three is 
is tithing. And I want to spend a little time talking about this one because I think in my experience talking to you and, and conversations with people, there's, there's a little bit of confusion between number two and number three. That tithing is not just a church Christian word for giving. Tithing is something entirely different. The definition of tithing literally means one-tenth. One-tenth. So, so tithing is when people who believe in Jesus set aside the first 10% of their income to give to their local church. This is not a Jason idea. This is a God idea. And the Bible talks a lot about tithing, especially in the Old Testament, but still some in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was a requirement. It was actually a law. Because, because in the Old Testament, God was establishing a nation, a country, a, a nation of people. And so in, in the 600 and some laws and rules that they had, one of them was, was tithing. And, and, and so then you get into the New Testament and it changes. That it's not a requirement anymore. And that 10% didn't even really seem to be an important standard for anybody in the New Testament, quite honestly, because... They were far exceeding it. As you read through the New Testament, they're like selling land and homes and just giving all this money and stuff to the apostles. And, and so nobody was debating, is 10% still a legitimate number or not? They were far exceeding that. So I want to make sure you hear clearly what I'm saying. In the Old Testament, it was required for God's people. But in the New Testament, not required. Not required. It's not a heaven or hell issue. It's not a salvation issue. The only thing that saves you is the grace of Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. That is what saves you. The Apostle Paul says, no, you get to decide. You get to decide. Make a choice. Now, in Matthew 23, there were some men who came up to Jesus. They were called religious leaders. And they wanted to know, should, they asked the question, should we tithe? Should we tithe? And Jesus said in Matthew 23, you can go read it later today, Jesus said, yeah, you should tithe. But then he goes on and goes on this like tirade because their hearts are impure. And in essence, what Jesus says, I'm summarizing, is he says, yeah, you give, but you're not generous. You give, but you're not generous. So yes, you should tithe, but don't, don't forget all these other things that are about the heart and what's inside of you. So my family, the Isaacs family, we tithe because the Bible teaches the principle. We tithe because the Bible promises to bless us. We tithe because Jesus said we should. Those are just some of the reasons why we do that, that the Bible tells us. We believe that tithing is something that Christians should do. Not required. You get to decide. But something that you should do. But sadly, most Christians don't. They don't. And so what I want to challenge you today is I want to challenge you to start. See, what I've noticed about, about people who, who uh, are looking for ways to be generous with their money and the conversations I've had is that we really enjoy the helping because, because we get to decide, we get to control it, and there's usually some immediate gratification. We know exactly what we did. But one of the reasons we struggle to tithe is because it's a sacrifice, of course, but also because we give it to the church, to God through the church, and we don't control it. And sometimes that messes with our hearts a little bit. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider becoming a tither. And tithing is different than offering. 
It's not a few dollars here or what I have left over. The Bible teaches us that we should tithe first, then give generously over that, then help people. And so when you came in today, you should have received a tithing challenge card. If you'll grab that out, I want to explain this to you. This is something that we've been doing for a really long time uh, since I've been the pastor here at, at the church. And, and this whole idea, this whole concept comes from a, a very famous Bible verse in the Old Testament. If you talk to anybody who tithes or any preacher who's talking about tithing, they're almost always going to quote this Bible verse from the Old Testament in Malachi 3.10. This is what it says. You maybe have heard this before. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. So bring the tithes to the temple. And if you do, says God, I will open the windows of heaven for you. And I'm going to pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room enough to take it in. And then God says this. He says, try it. Put me to the test. And this is the only place in the Bible where God says, try it. Test me. Put it to the test. You get to decide. This ain't heaven or hell. This ain't saved or sinner. This is a decision that you get to make. But here's what God is saying to these people and the principle that he's saying to us is put me to the test. And so we just believe at Hope City, if God, the only place in the Bible that God says, try it, put me to the test, then we figure we're going to put him to the test. And so here's what we do. Here's a card. You can read the information on there. But for the next 90 days, for the next three months, if you take a, make a decision to tithe, to give God 10%, first 10%, fill out this card, drop it in the offering box, We'll answer any questions you have. If you have any questions, if you decide to do this, here's what we're going to do. If in 90 days you believe and you would say, and you, this is 100% you're right, we're, we're challenging you with this. If you would say, my life is not better, God has not blessed me, I want my money back, we'll give it all back. We'll give it to you. Because you're not testing us, you're testing God. And God said, test me, try it. And so we said, okay, this is how we'll set it up. And so I know it's scary, and there's this part of us that's like, I can't do it, and, and there's all kinds of math reasons, and I get that. Here's, here's what we are challenging you to do. Try it. Put God to the test for the next 90 days. And at the end of that 90 days, if you would say, it didn't work, I'm not, I don't feel blessed, I don't, my life's gotten worse. We've had one guy over all the years say, like, actually, I started tithing, and my life got worse. So we gave him his money back. But put God to the test. And he says, if you will, I will open the doors of heaven. And when I read that, it just, it made me laugh because this week at the Isaac house, we, we had a little development. Um, a lot of you guys know I have four kids. I have an 11-year-old daughter, 8-year-old daughter, um, and then I have a 5-year-old son and a 3-and-a-half-year-old son. And we've been having all kinds of trouble keeping the boys out of the pantry. And, like, they're eating all the food, which is not the main problem. The main problem is they're just making a mess everywhere, and they're getting into the syrup, and they're getting just all this stuff. It's crazy. And and so we had to make an executive decision as parents of the Isaacs household to put a lock on the pantry, okay? I know, some of y'all are judging me right now. Bring them to your house, feed them. That's fine, okay? <laughs> we had to make a decision. And so I actually brought a picture of it right here. Pretty proud of my install job there. But um, we put a lock on the pantry, high enough where they can't reach it. We sat them down and we said, hey, listen, when the pantry's locked, the kitchen's closed, okay? And you can't get in there. Don't try to get in there. 
and, uh, and so the pantry's locked, and my dad's really mad at me about it, and uh, he says, you feed my grandkids. I'm like, you feed them, right? And so here's what happens. If they're hungry, all they got to do is say, Dad, can we get some food? And I go unlock the doors, and I give them what they need. And God says, if you will take the test, if you will test me, and you will put 10%, the first 10%, not because you have to, not because the church is telling you to, not because, you, you know, the, you, the, you're going to get kicked out if you don't, but because you decide to do it. If you will, God says, I'm going to walk over to the doors of heaven, and I'm going to pop that lock off of that thing, and I'm going to put so many blessings in your life that you won't even really know how to explain it. He'll open the doors of heaven. Can I give you just one more? I mean, I, I'm out of time, but can I just give you one more? This is what Proverbs says. Proverbs 3 says, now this is not the law. This is just wisdom from Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part. The NIV and the New King James says the first part of everything that you produce. And then he will, then, then he will fill your barns with grain. I don't know what vats are, but they're going to overflow. Okay? <laughs> Whatever they are, they're going to overflow. Okay? I hope you'll take this step. Let me end by just telling you this story. I think I've shared this before, but I love this story. Truett Cathy, who created Chick-fil-A, um, the creator of it, he, was, he loved Jesus. He was a great man of faith, and uh, he was also a car guy. He loved cars. But more than loving cars, when you read about Truett Cathy, what you find out is that he loved to give cars. He loved to give cars away. And, and so he met this guy, this young, uh, young adult, college-age guy who... Uh, needed a car. But more than a car, this guy needed to be discipled. He was trying to follow Jesus, and he needed somebody to take him under his wing and, 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 and grow him and help him and disciple him. And so Truett Cathy had an idea. He, he got with the guy, and he said, listen, I've got some preaching tapes that have really helped me. I'm going to give these preaching tapes to you. I want you to go listen to them and then come back, and let's talk about what you heard and what you're learning, and we'll talk about it together. And the guy said, okay, that sounds good. But Truett Cathy played a trick on the guy because he knew he needed a car. And on the last tape, the fourth tape, at the end of the tape, he recorded over the sermon and said, I have the keys to your new car at the office. Come pick it up. So he handed the tapes. A couple of days go by. The guy doesn't show up at the office. He sees him at church and says, hey, just a reminder, listen to those tapes. Yeah, 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 I'm going to listen to them. Week goes by, nothing. He reminds them. Two weeks go by, Nothing. A few weeks later, Truett Cathy realizes he's not going to listen to the tapes. So he calls him in his office. He puts the tapes in. He hits play. He plays that last part of the last tape. The guy's shocked. And Truett Cathy explained it to him. And then Truett Cathy did not give him the car. And he said it was one of the, one of the toughest lessons that he ever taught. And here was the lesson. That to receive a blessing, we often have to take action first. That's what God said. God said, do this, then. Do this, then. Do this, then. So that's what we're challenging you to do today is to make the choice to choose generosity and to do it the way the Bible teaches by tithing, as scary as it is. Some of y'all stopped breathing like eight minutes ago. As scary as it is to tithe. To give, to help. Let's pray. God, thank you 
for being the ultimate example of generosity by giving the very best you had in your son Jesus to come and to die on the cross and to take our place so that we could have a relationship with you. So God, I pray that we would be inspired by your example and that we would take the best of what we have and we would give it back to you. I pray for the courage to take steps of faith that are so intimidating. I pray for the people who are cynical or have church hurt or different, different experiences that cause them to want to push away from this, God. I pray that you would break that heart of, of stubbornness or cynicism and help them to see that this is about what you want for them, not what you want from them, God. God, we want to be richer in every way. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to be generous people the way that you taught us to be in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.